One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And we are sisters, and we're here today to talk to you about murder. And I don't know much about this case, except that it's uh, from the UK, and I do believe we're dealing with the serial killer. Yeah? Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this guy, you guys. I don't like him. I know. All, all week, Sadie's been like, I don't even think this is good. And I'm like, it's just because you're <laughs> frustrated, because serial killers are... The most frustrating, mm-hmm. but they're also the most fascinating. So mm-hmm. I'm ex- I'm excited. I'm sorry yeah. for your life, but I'm really excited. Well, it's one of those that I, I'm giving the people what I hope they want. It's it's a doozy. It's a journey. Mm. Well, yeah, it's just the guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't well, wait. Thank let me you tell for, you all about him. <laughs> thank you for taking one for the team and take it away. Dennis Andrew Nelson was born on November 23, 1945, in Fraserburgh, Aberdeenshire, Scotland. He was the second of three children, born to his parents, Elizabeth and Olav. His father was a Norwegian soldier who had traveled to Scotland in 1940 as part of the Free Norwegian Forces, following the German occupation of Norway. After a brief courtship, he married Elizabeth in 1942, and the newlyweds moved into her parents' house. The marriage between Nelson's parents was rocky. His father made little time for his wife. All three of the couple's children, Olav Jr., Dennis, and Sylvia, had been conceived on their father's brief visits to see Elizabeth. After the birth of her third child, Nelson's mother concluded that she had, quote, rushed into a marriage without thinking. The couple divorced in 1948 when Nelson was three. Elizabeth's parents had never approved of their daughter's choice to marry Olav and were supportive of her after the divorce and helped her raise their grandchildren. His name sounds so familiar. I'm really excited to hear if I know who this guy is, but that name sounds so familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's pretty popular as far as serial killers go, but not covered a lot, which surprised me. Mm -hmm. So Nelson was a quiet yet adventurous child. His earliest memories were of family picnics in the Scottish countryside with his mother and siblings and long countryside walks on the shoulders of his grandfather, who he was very close to. Despite only being five years old, Nelson vividly recalled these walks as being some of the happiest times of his life. Mm -hmm. 
He later described the stage as one of contentment and his grandfather being his, quote, great hero and protector. Whenever his grandfather, who was a fisherman, was at sea, quote, life would be empty until he returned. Mm-hmm. By 1951, Nilsson's grandfather's health was in decline, but he continued to work. On October 31st, while fishing in the North Sea, he died of a heart attack at the age of 62. Wow. Yeah. His body was brought ashore and returned to the Nilsson family prior to burial. In what Nilsson later described as his most vivid childhood memory, his mother, weeping, asked five-year-old Nilsson whether he wanted to see his grandfather. When he replied that he did, he was taken into the room where his grandfather lay in an open coffin. As he gazed upon the body, his heart was beating strongly as his mother told him his grandfather was sleeping, adding that he had gone to, quote, a better place. Later, Nelson would state that this had been the most traumatic event of his life and that it was at his grandfather's burial when his concept of love and death converged together into a, quote, hazy mess of misperception. Well, that's a thin uh, threshold that he was <laughs> teetering on. God. Yeah. You know, and I, having a five-year-old myself and a 95-year-old grandmother, I think a lot about how to describe death to him, mm-hmm. you know, when it's it's inevitably going to come up. And they say to just be really clear. Yeah. And, you know, talking about going to a better place and sleeping and all of that just really confuses kids. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. We used to nanny for those kids whose parents just didn't tell them that their mom was dying until she mm-hmm. was dead. And like, I can't imagine what that kid's probably killing people right now as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's probably no, he's not. Lovely. He's a lovely boy. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, I don't think five-year-olds necessarily need to see their dead grandparents, but it certainly mm-hmm. isn't going to like trigger me to become a serial killer. Exactly. Well, that's what I was thinking. The good yeah. news is people, if you mess up describing death to a five-year-old, they probably won't become serial killers. No, I've read studies. They are going to <laughs> serial killy kill people if you screw yeah. that up. After this, Nilsson became an introvert who never opened up to adults and rarely to children his own age. At home, he seldom participated in family activities and retreated from adult family members who tried to demonstrate any affection towards him. He grew to resent the attention his family gave his brother and sister. Nilsson envied Olav's popularity, but was close to his younger sister, Sylvia. They often talked and played together. Uh, Nelson would often go to the beach alone to swim. One day when he was nine, he was swimming when a particularly strong current started to pull him out to sea. He screamed for help and waved his arms in the air, then went under the water thinking he was going to die. Just in time, an older boy grabbed him and pulled him to safety. Nelson remembered his rescuer's strong hands and smooth body touching him all over as they made it back to shore. He thought about that image often and became an avid masturbator at the age considered young for boys, uh, which was like nine or ten years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a brief trigger warning for molestation. It doesn't last long, but just a heads up. Mm-hmm. Not long after this, he snuck into his brother's room one night and fondled his genitals while he was sleeping. Nilsson started to suspect that he was gay. His brother also had the same suspicions and started teasing him about it. Nilsson was terrified Olav would tell his peers at school. It was the 1950s, and homosexuality was still very taboo. 
Nilsson decided to fondle his sister, hoping if he touched her, it would help him get over his sexual interest in men. Mm. He told her that boys and girls needed to, quote, explore one another, and she agreed to take off her clothes and let him touch her. After a few minutes, he realized this wasn't helping him, so he stopped. In 1957, Nilsson's mother married a builder named Andrew Scott. They went on to have four more children in as many years. Holy shit. So that makes Mm -hmm. seven? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. As his parents' house filled with children, money and space both became tight. Nilsson wanted to escape, and at the age of 14, he joined the Army Cadet Force, viewing the British Army as a way out. After finishing his schooling, he joined the Army Catering Corps to train to become an Army chef. Nilsson excelled in his Army duties. He later described his three years of training as, quote, the happiest of my life. The camaraderie at the barracks was something he'd never experienced before. Everyone was friendly with him and accepted him the way he was. Some of his colleagues regarded him as odd, but they never made fun of him. Hmm. He kept his homosexuality a secret. It was illegal for gay people to enlist in the army during the 1960s. He bought an expensive camera with his first paycheck and became a self-proclaimed photographer on the base. This allowed him to live out some of his fantasies without taking too much of a risk. How so? Well, I'll tell you. Oh, great. (laughs) In the evenings, he would gather some of the men in his barracks together for a photo shoot. He would make the men pose as if they had died in battle. Mm. Later, after the photos had been developed, he would masturbate over the pictures. During this time, Nilsson began to drink heavily. He described himself and his friends as a, quote, hardworking, boozy lot. They recalled Nilsson often drank to excess in order to ease his shyness. Mm-hmm. On one occasion, Nilsson and a German soldier got drunk together, and Nilsson passed out. When he woke, he found himself on the floor of the man's flat. No sexual activity had occurred, but this incident fueled Nilsson's sexual fantasies, which involved his sexual partner being completely passive. Mm-hmm. The fantasies would gradually evolve into his partner being unconscious or dead. When drinking with his army buddies, Nelson would also pretend he was passed out drunk in the hope one of his colleagues would take advantage of his supposedly unconscious body. Oh, buddy. But sadly for Nelson, this never happened. In 1967, Nelson was deployed to Yemen to cook at one of the prisons. While there, he had his own room for the first time in years. He bought a painting titled The Raft of the Medusa. Mm, I'm very familiar with that painting. That painting's horrible. <laughs> have you seen it? It is. Yes. It's very upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you want to describe what it looks like? Well, do you remember? I, I just remember it's like a sinking raft, right? And mm-hmm. it's like everyone's in agony, very mm-hmm. like perilously close to dying on this <laughs> tipping yeah, raft. Ship, shipwreck. Yeah, yeah. Not exactly what I would hang in my room. Like my, It's not a decorative piece. It's more no. of a museum piece. Yes. So yeah, the painting depicted some survivors of a shipwreck on a small raft. In the bottom left-hand corner of the painting is an old man with the naked body of a dead young man in his lap. Beside them was another dead man with the lower half of his torso missing. Right. I forgot about that sweet detail. Mm -hmm. It became his ritual to masturbate to this painting every day after lunch. Oh boy. That's... Mm -hmm paints a very clear picture of this guy in his yeah. mental state yeah yeah and i'll i can post a well maybe i'm yeah i think it's okay maybe to we'll see maybe yeah, i can we'll get it see. on instagram we can put it on our website for sure for sure yeah it's it would be a good visual yeah 
One night while out drinking heavily at a bar, Nilsson called a taxi to take him home. As soon as he got in the car, he was hit over the head with a heavy object and passed out. When he woke up, he was in the trunk of the taxi. What? Mm-hmm. When the trunk opened, Nilsson grabbed a tire iron and knocked the taxi driver to the floor before beating him unconscious. Whoa. Yeah. He then locked the man in the trunk of the taxi. He hitched a ride back to the prison and never heard what happened to the taxi driver. I mean, wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think it's a good indication of how strong he is. Uh Um, And I mean, like, in this case, good for him for getting out of that terrifying situation. Yeah, totally. Um, But bad for the world for a serial killer not getting stopped in his tracks. Right. So, after 11 years of military service, Nilsson was terminated after having a violent fight with his roommate. At the age of 27, Nilsson moved back in with his family for a few months as he considered his next career move. On multiple occasions, his mother voiced her concern with Nilsson's lack of female companionship. She really wanted to see him marry and start a family. Mm-hmm. One night during this time, Nilsson joined his older brother and his brother's wife to watch a documentary called Victim, which covers a blackmail plot against several gay men in the 1960s. After the movie, Olav and his wife made it clear that they hated homosexuals. Uh-huh. Nilsson strongly disagreed and spoke up in defense of gay rights. The two brothers got in a fight. The next day, Olav informed his mother that Nilsson was homosexual. Nilsson never spoke to his older brother again and maintained only sporadic written contact with his mother, stepfather, and younger siblings. Wow. Yeah. He decided to join the Metropolitan Police and moved to London a week later to begin the training course. Holy shit. Yeah. And also, Olav, that was shitty. (laughs) It was a shitty thing to do. Yeah, you don't out. Yeah, you shouldn't out people should not your siblings especially in an outspoken homophobic family right in the 1970s in the 19th yeah all of it he completed his police training in 1973 but after working for a few months he couldn't stand the guilt of being a police officer and a gay man who frequented gay pubs and had multiple one-night stands with men oh god so he resigned he briefly worked as a security guard until he found a job in the public sector helping unemployed people find work His job allowed him to study the behavior of London's unemployed and homeless male population more closely. In 1975, Nilsson met a man named David. The two quickly became a couple and decided to move in together. They found a ground floor flat in Cricklewood and negotiated a deal with a landlord where they had exclusive use of the garden at the back of the property. The pair lived together happily for a while, but the relationship didn't last. Later, David insisted that although Nilsson had never been violent towards him, he berated him regularly. And by early 1976, the pair began arguing with increased frequency. I thought this was where it was going to take a turn and he was going to fall in love and live happily ever after. Yeah, no, not this jerk. <laughs> Shit. I'm sorry. Can you imagine, though, if it had gone turned out that way and then our listeners were just like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> I just wanted to tell you a little history of a guy that once lived. He once lived. He had kind of a shitty family. But then, you know what? It turned out okay. He found a guy and they fell in love, you guys. It's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty, went, things went pretty well for him. Have a good week. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Following a heated argument in May of 1977, David moved out of the flat. By late 1978, Nilsson was living a solitary existence. 
He had experienced at least three failed relationships in the 18 months after David left, and he later confessed to having developed an increasing conviction that he was unfit to live with. Mm-hmm. That he was unfit to live with. Uh, during this time, Nilsson's drinking increased to the point where if he wasn't working, he was drunk. Mm-hmm. He began painting his face in heavy makeup to darken his eyes, whiten his face, and color his lips in purple, creating the illusion of a corpse. He would then masturbate while staring at his reflection in the mirror, pretending he was having sex with a lifeless body. Oh boy. That's a terrifying image. Yeah. Yes. On December 30, 1978, Nilsson wanted to go out and party. He was lonely and looking for a man to hook up with. He walked down to his local pub, sat at the bar, and almost immediately an attractive young man named Stephen Holmes walked up to the bar and ordered a drink. Nilsson noticed Stephen and guessed he was about 17 or 18 years old. What he didn't know was that Stephen was a few months shy of his 15th birthday. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, God. 14 years old. Jesus. Stephen tried to order a drink but was refused when he didn't have an ID. Stephen was leaving the bar when Nelson asked him over and invited him back to his place for a drink. Stephen reluctantly agreed. They walked back to Nelson's flat and spent the night drinking heavily. He tried to have sex with the boy, but he was too drunk, and they both passed out in bed together. When Nelson woke up in the morning, Stephen was still sleeping. He became very worried that Stephen would want to leave when he woke up. After caressing the sleeping boy, Nilsson decided Stephen was to, quote, stay with me over the new year, whether he wanted to or not. Oh, God, I'm already so scared. He grabbed his necktie that was hanging on the bedpost and wrapped it around the 14-year-old's neck, strangling him until he was unconscious. Nilsson loved the feeling of power that overcame him and said he was captivated by his own strength. Nilsson noticed Stephen was breathing, but still unconscious. He got a bucket from the kitchen, filled it with water, and brought it back to the bedroom. He placed Stephen's head in the bucket until the boy stopped breathing. Oh, God. Through gritted teeth, Nelson said, quote, Let's see if you can leave my apartment now, you son of a bitch. Okay, take a deep breath. <laughs> the awfulness isn't quite over. <laughs> oh, good. He proceeded to masturbate over the body twice and then decided to wash the dead boy and dress him. He kept the corpse overnight while he tried to decide how to dispose of the body. He finally decided to bury the boy under the floorboards in his flat. A few days later, he was curious to see Stephen's body, so he removed the floorboards and took out the corpse, which hadn't yet started to decompose. He bathed him, wrapped the body in a sheet, and put it back under the bedroom floor. After seven months, the stench of decay became so unbearable that Nelson had to dispose of Stephen's body. After seven months? Seven months. Holy moly. That's mm-hmm. g- good information to have, question mark. Like I, well, I think it got really unbearable, like really gross. Uh, You'll, yeah. This is a continuing thing for him, so just be prepared. Of, oh, boy. Yeah. I just didn't realize it takes, I don't know, I don't know how long I thought it took for a body to decompose, but I would think after seven months, like, mm-hmm. the worst Yeah, and this was the winter over. time, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it started in the winter that, you know, he murdered him around New Year's. And so I think by the summer it got really bad, but I think for right. a while it was cold enough, especially frozen. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like the floorboards of his apartment, you just lift up the boards and it's dirt underneath. Sure. Um, so who knows? But yeah. yes, seven months is a very long time. Yeah. He built a huge bonfire in the backyard. His neighbors would be able to see the smoke, but they wouldn't be able to see what he was burning. 
He dragged the body out of the house and put it on the fire. He added a car tire he had in the yard to hide the smell of decomposition. And he's in London, After- right? Like he's in, <laughs> yes. in London. Yes. And that's what, because he does this multiple times. Just, I mean, sorry to spoil alert, but I don't know much about London in the 1970s, but I I mean, to just like burn tires in your yard. Yeah. <laughs> Seems a little crazy. Yeah. It's not yeah. like Roman times or something where they have, they just drop their <laughs> peepees out the window. Like it was like a proper city as far as I'm yeah. aware. Yeah. In the, the 1970s. 1970s. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good for you, guy. So after Nelson got rid of Stephen's body, there was a void in his heart. He was alone again and he wasn't happy about it. Ugh. On October 11th, 1979, Nilsson attempted to murder a student from Hong Kong named Andrew Ho, who he had met in a pub and lured to his flat with the promise of sex. Nilsson attempted to strangle Ho, who managed to flee from his flat and reported the incident to police. Nilsson was questioned in relation to the incident, but Ho decided not to press charges. Two months later, Nilsson met a 23-year-old Canadian student named Kenneth Ockenden. He lured Kenneth to his apartment and strangled him with the cord of his headphones while the student was listening to music. Ah. He took pictures of Kenneth's dead body in various poses and buried him under the floorboards. So there's two now. Yes. Oh, wait, no, the one got burnt. Right, right, right. right. Caught up. But he's going to do it all over again. He didn't learn from the last time. Right. He doesn't learn for a very long time. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Five months later, on May 17, 1980, he killed his third victim, 16-year-old Martin Duffy. Martin was a catering student from Birkenhead who had hitchhiked to London without his parents' knowledge. Nilsson brought the boy back to his apartment with a promise of a nice meal and a place to sleep for the night. He strangled and drowned the boy instead. He put his body under the floorboards as well. Yeah. After the murder of Martin, Nilsson began killing in a frenzy. Before the end of 1980, he killed further five victims and attempted to murder one other. Wow. Only one of these victims, 26-year-old William David Sutherland, has ever been identified. Nilsson's recollections of the unidentified victims were vague, but he graphically recalled how each victim had been murdered and just how long he kept the victim's body before disposing of them. Mm Mm-hmm. With most victims, Nilsson masturbated as he stood alongside or knelt above the body, and he confessed to having occasionally engaged in intercrucial, which means in between the legs, mm-hmm. sex with his victims' bodies, but repeatedly stressed investigators that he had never actually penetrated his victims. I love when they say stuff like that, like that makes them so much better. Yes. It's something I hear a lot from people. Yes. Yeah. I I, I was thinking the same thing. I... I think it's really interesting when the perpetrators have their limits of things that are, you know, like it's okay to murder all of these people and do all terrible things to their bodies and, oh, but I didn't penetrate them. Yeah. Not that much of a monster. Like at this point, just give it up, man. I know. (laughs) Seriously. Like good mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. No, doesn't apply here, bud. Nope. He explained that his victims were, quote, too perfect and beautiful for the pathetic ritual of commonplace sex. So interesting. Mm -hmm. By choosing victims that were mostly homeless or runaways, he was easily able to evade police. Most of the time, no one knew their loved one was missing, so no alarm was raised. Mm -hmm. The multiple bodies beneath the floorboards attracted insects and created a foul odor, particularly throughout summer months. 
Nelson placed air fresheners beneath the floorboards and sprayed insecticide around the flat twice a day, but the smell of decay and the flies remained. Oh, God, that's so awful. It's like the movie Seven or something. Mm-hmm. In late 1980, Nelson removed the bodies and then proceeded to cut them into pieces to make them easier to move and dispose of. Ugh. <laughs> you should see my face. <laughs> oh, God. I know. He then burned them in a huge bonfire he had made in an empty lot behind his flat. He added another car tire to disguise the smell of burning flesh. When the bonfire had been reduced to ashes, he used a rake to search the debris to find any recognizable bones. He found a skull that was still intact, so he smashed it into pieces with the rake. <laughs> I mean, once again, I don't live in a city. I live in a, like, you know, sort of wooded residential neighborhood. And somebody would still see me doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have a lot of full-time neighbors. And somebody would still see me doing that. The fact that he's just out there smashing skulls and burning bodies is mm-hmm. unbelievable. The 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, people had fewer in- environmental concerns back then, but still, like... Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Nelson killed three more men in the first half of 1981. This time, he would wake up after a night of drinking and find the men dead beside him. Mm. He didn't remember killing them. When thinking about these victims, Nelson later casually reflected, quote, end of the day, end of the drink, end of a person, floorboards back, carpet replaced, and back to work at Denmark Street. Uh, that was his little poem? Yeah, that's what he said about these men. Oh, boy. This time, he dismembered the victims' bodies before putting them under the floorboards. The book that I read talked a lot about the things that he learned, and he was realizing that dismembering bodies when they were already well into decomposing was really awful. And so then he thought, well, I'll start to dismember them when they're not so into it. You know, it's just, it's disgusting. Yeah, I didn't want to comment on the fact. That's why... Mm-hmm. I wish you could have seen my face when you talked about him exhuming bodies and chopping them up. That's yeah, that's awful, fucking disgusting. Yeah, so it is. Good for him again for honing his craft as he went along. Mm-hmm. But yeah, oh god. Uh... Uh, soon after murdering these three men, Nilsson's landlord told him he had to move out. The flat he lived in had been sold and was going to be fully renovated. Nilsson right. went into a panic. Yeah. He wasn't sure if he'd be able to dispose of the bodies before he had to move. Despite this, when an opportunity arose to kill again, he couldn't help himself. <laughs> Dude. Mm-hmm. Oh. On September 17th, 1981, Nilsson was on his way to work when he came across 23-year-old Malcolm Barlow, who was slumped against a wall outside of Nilsson's home. The color was drained from his face and he appeared to be in some pain. Malcolm had epilepsy, and the medication he was on was wreaking havoc on his nervous system. He needed medical attention. Nilsson brought him into his apartment and called an ambulance, and while they waited for help, Nilsson learned that Malcolm was mentally disabled and was receiving money from England's Department of Health and Social Security. Oh no, I don't like where this is going. The ambulance arrived and took Malcolm to the hospital. Nilsson went on to work like any other weekday. Later that night, Nilsson called the hospital to see how Malcolm was feeling. The nurse told him he was stable and he would be released from the hospital the next day. When Nilsson returned from work the following day, he found Malcolm sitting on his front steps. Oh, Malcolm. Malcolm had stopped by to thank him for his help. Nilsson invited him in for dinner. He gave Malcolm two alcoholic drinks. When paired with his medication, he passed out before dinner was ready. Mm-hmm. Nilsson spotted an opportunity and strangled Malcolm to death before he could wake up. 
Buddy. He had one last very large bonfire where he burned household items he didn't need in the move and added the five dismembered bodies to the fire as well. He recalls three neighborhood children standing to watch the fire. Nelson later wrote that he felt it would have seemed, quote, in order if he had seen these three children dancing around a mass funeral pyre. Uh, this guy said, I mean, it doesn't help that I'm picturing like a British accent this whole time, but mm-hmm. it is very like Grimm's fairy tale-y, his yeah. whole thing. Like, yeah, and he was intelligent and very self-confident, uh-huh. uh, full-on serial killer glasses oh like uh, like the glasses he wore just full on st- all of the serial killers ever to exist have ever that wore glasses yeah yep. he had them in the 70s and 80s yep yeah yep anyway after the day's work was done nelson took a hot bath oh and the day's work being these bonfires right full of dead bodies right nelson took a hot bath and decided he was done killing he wanted to start fresh in his new flat he told himself, quote, no more murders and no more of this obsession with dead bodies. You were done after today. Des Nelson, done. It's amazing what a good hot bath will do for the spirit. <laughs> I know. Sometimes Just... it allows me to continue to parent my children in the quarantine. Other people decide not to murder. Uh, the bar was low in the early 80s, too. I could fully see that being like a, a Calgon commercial. Oh, God. <laughs> They made a lot of a lot of steep claims back then. Like <laughs> smoking will, you know, make you healthier, and mm-hmm. taking a hot bath with Calgon will cure you of your psychopathy. <laughs> so Nelson's decision to stop killing men didn't last long. After moving to his apartment, he had no access to a garden, and he now lived in an attic flat, so he was unable to keep any bodies beneath the floorboards. For almost two months, any men Nilsson encountered and lured to his flat were not assaulted in any way. He did attempt to strangle a 19-year-old student named Paul Nobbs on November 23, 1981, but stopped himself from completing the act. Six months after his last murder, in March of 1982, Nilsson struck again. He lured 23-year-old John Howlett to his apartment and tried to strangle him while he slept. John woke up, started fighting back, and tried to choke Nilsson. The battle ensued until Nilsson was able to get the upper hand and subdued John. He wasn't able to choke him to death, so he filled the bathtub with water and drowned him. Oh my god. Nilsson had scratches on his face and finger mark bruises around his own neck for a week after the murder. Oh, Jesus. John's body stayed in the bathtub for three days while Nilsson figured out how to dispose of him. Mm-mm. No... Yep. The book talks about how he was really angry that he couldn't shower, so he had to, like, you know, rinse off in the... In the sink. Sink. Oh, poor guy. I know. God. (laughs) Yeah. He finally decided to dismember John's body and wrap his body parts in plastic bags and store them in either a wardrobe, tea chest, or within a drawer located beneath the bathtub. Nelson attempted to dispose of the flesh, internal organs, and smaller bones of his victim by flushing the remains down the toilet. Uh, oh, dude. Mm-hmm. I guess they hadn't learned the lessons back then that we've learned in the modern day. Right? No, I have a septic tank, and if I put, like, the wrong ply of toilet paper in our toilet, we're screwed. Yeah. 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 You gotta be nice to your toilet, man. Right. He also... Uh, sort of a hard transition. 
He also boiled John's head, hands, and feet to remove the flesh off of the sections of the victim's body. Ah. He would do the same thing to all his victims killed at his new flat. Yeah, I mean, there are so much easier ways to dispose of a body. He's escalating, right? This isn't just... Well, I think it's... Uh, yeah. I Yeah. Yes. I would say escalating and... Enjoying. I mean, what do you do when you murder someone and you live in the middle of London and you're on the... Like, you can't bring the body downstairs. He just isn't thinking. He doesn't care. Right. That's what um, I mean. He's not using common sense. No. You know, and like, he's drunk most of the time. Right. And... I, it seems like towards the end here, he really just sort of gives up. He knows that he's not going to be able to get away with it for much longer is the impression that I get. Yeah. So he's just like, I'll do my best until yeah somebody finally catches on to what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I guess like when I'm drunk, I think lots of things are good ideas. Like, but it's more like eating cottage cheese with jam or something, <laughs> you know, like right. not yeah boiling human hands yes. for disposal. Yeah. Right. So Nelson killed again in June of 1982. His victim was 27-year-old Graham Allen. Nelson brought the man to his flat for a meal and made him an omelet. While eating, Graham, who struggled with serious drug and alcohol abuse, he passed out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nelson couldn't help himself and strangled him at the kitchen table. The smell from the decomposing bodies was becoming a problem for Nelson. His neighbors were starting to complain. On January 26, 1983... Nielsen killed his final victim, 20-year-old Stephen Sinclair. Stephen was last seen by friends walking with Nielsen to the tube station. At Nielsen's flat, Stephen fell asleep in an armchair after drinking too much. Nielsen approached the man, knelt before him, and said to himself, quote, Oh, Stephen, here I go again, before strangling him with a ligature constructed with a necktie and a rope. Ugh. Noting crepe bandages upon each of Stephen's wrists, Nelson removed these to discover several deep slash marks from where Stephen had recently tried to kill himself. Oh, no. Yeah. When he disposed of the body, the bags used to hold Stephen's remains were sealed with those same crepe bandages Nelson had found on his wrists. Ugh. On February 4th, 1983, after one of his neighbors complained to him about their blocked toilet, Nelson wrote a letter to his landlord complaining that the drains of the flat were blocked and that the situation for both himself and the other tenants of the property was intolerable. <laughs> Wowie, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and his reasoning was that if maybe he could get on top of it, you know, if he was the one to complain, right? that maybe that would help move suspicion away from him. Right. I don't know. I really think at this point he's just like, whatever, like, give, I'm done. <laughs> Seriously. On February 8th, 1983, Dino Rod employee Michael Catran responded to a service call to fix the clogged drains at the apartment. Opening a drain cover at the side of the house, Michael discovered that it was packed a flesh-like substance and numerous small bones of unknown origin. Oh boy. The smell coming from the sewer pipe was unbearable. He reported his suspicions to his supervisor, Gary Wheeler. Michael had arrived at the property at dusk. He and Wheeler agreed to postpone further investigation into the blockage until the following morning. Oh, man. Imagine waking up and being like, I got to go back and deal with that. Oh, God, no. Before leaving the property, Nelson and a fellow tenant talked with Michael about the source of the substance. Upon hearing Michael exclaim how similar the substance was to human flesh, Nelson replied, quote, it looks to me like someone has been flushing down their Kentucky Fried Chicken. Wow. Uh... <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Also not something that people do. Right. Ever. Right. Um, so at 7.30 a.m. the following morning, the men returned to the apartments. They couldn't help but notice that the clogged drain had been cleared overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, this aroused their suspicions. And it turns out that Nelson went down, obviously, and cleared the drains overnight himself, hoping to get rid of the evidence. Mm-hmm. And he also went, he tried to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. No. He did. <laughs> he tried to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and get chicken so that he could flush it down the toilet. But they had closed <laughs> already. And so he couldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Just the image of flushing Kentucky Fried Chicken is <laughs> hilarious. But, but, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. yeah that's disgusting it's disgusting well it's like uh, your last case where it's such a childish thought process it's like mm-hmm. i remember trading for a my little pony when i was in kindergarten i brought whatever you know i traded my toy for my little pony and then i told mom that i'd found it behind the television thinking <laughs> you know she'd be like oh okay oh weird <laughs> i didn't see that there when we moved in six months ago you know Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that kind of like I'm gonna place this thought in their head and then confirm it. <laughs> right, <laughs> flushing Kentucky Fried Chicken. And you know, my first thought would be like it's a pet or a rat or something. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a million other things that could get stuck in a sewer pipe, but Kentucky mm-hmm. Fried Chicken. Mm-hmm. Oh right. boy, yeah. Uh, so the Michael the plumber found more scraps of flesh and four bones in the pipe leading from the drain, which linked to the top flat of the house. Mm. The bones looked as if they originated from a human hand. They immediately called police, who, upon closer inspection, discovered further small bones and scraps of what looked like either human or animal flesh in the same pipe. Mm-mm. These remains were taken to the mortuary at Hornsey, where pathologist Professor David Bowen advised police that the remains were human and that one particular piece of flesh had been from a human neck and it bore a ligature mark. Mm. Wow, he could tell that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. After learning Nelson was the person who lived on the top floor, police decided to wait outside the house for him to get home from work. When Nelson returned home, the detectives introduced themselves, explaining that they had come to ask about the drain blockage coming from his flat. Nelson asked why the police were interested in his drains, trying to play dumb. They asked Nelson if they could go into his apartment to talk about what they had found. He agreed and led them upstairs. What a bozo, man. Yeah, he has three dead bodies in his apartment <laughs> right now that he hasn't disposed of. And they're like, what's that smell? And he's like, I had Kentucky Fried Chicken last night. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh. the two detectives and another police officer followed nelson into his flat where they immediately noticed the terrible smell of rotting flesh Mm-mm. nelson asked again why the police were interested in his drains they told him that the blockage had been caused by human remains mm. nelson feigned shock and bewilderment stating quote good grief how awful in response one man said quote don't mess about where's the rest of the body Nelson responded calmly, admitting that the remainder of the body could be found in two plastic bags and a nearby wardrobe, from which the detectives noticed the overpowering smell of decomposition. The officers did not open the cupboard, but asked Nelson if there was any other body parts to be found, to which Nelson replied, quote, It's a long story. It goes back a long time. I'll tell you everything. I want to get it off my chest. Not here, but at the police station. Oh, that's chilling. 
Mm-hmm. He was then arrested and cautioned on suspicion of murder before being taken to Hornsey Police Station. As he was escorted to the station, Nilsson was asked whether the remains in his flat belonged to one person or two. Staring out the window of the police car, he replied, quote, 15 or 16 since 1978. Oh, man. Ooh. Can you imagine? Know, you, no, no, I was just going to say that. <laughs> it's so scary. That's it's so scary. So scary. Yeah. And when you see pictures of this guy, he's just really unassuming. Ugh. Other than the serial killer glasses, like kind of a, you know, skinny, unassuming white guy. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, you're just thinking like, oh, this guy got into a quarrel with his lovers or something, you know, mm-hmm. or kind of run of the mill, not great, but not awful. And then, yeah, ta-da, you have a serial killer in your car. Yep. And he was the boss. Yeah, he was the boss at this unemployment office, like just yeah. total run of the mill. So crazy. Also, the crazy thing is that he probably just could have made something up like that like look these are my lovers we got in a big fight mm-hmm. i killed them i tried to flush them because i'm a drunk and i'm lazy or you know whatever but just to like give up the goat like that's just yeah i mean maybe for one but <laughs> for three <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's a kind of sexy orgy gone wrong who knows you know there's like ways <laughs> yeah. to just yes. stop at three but just to, i'm right. glad thank god i mean thank god he right. admitted all 15 but yeah also, you could have just you already chopped into pieces. That's what's so crazy. You have dismembered these bodies, and they're in plastic bags. It's a we'll simple enough process to take them out of your house garbage. and put them mm-hmm. in a river, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just so lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mad at the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad at the potential of the serial killer that went on... I'm mad at his uh, lack of motivation. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Try harder, man. <laughs> You have so much potential, it's wasted. (laughs) So that evening, authorities searched Nilsson's apartment where they found the plastic bags full of human remains. One bag was found to contain two dismembered torsos and a shopping bag containing various internal organs. Mm. The second bag contained a human skull, almost completely devoid of flesh, and a severed head. Mm. Uh, And also a torso with arms attached but hands missing. No! Yeah. Oh, God. The next day, on February 10th, Nilsson offered a complete confession to all his crimes. He also told authorities where they could find the rest of the remains in his apartment. In total, Nilsson confessed to killing, quote, 12 or 13 men and attempting to kill approximately seven others. Police interviewed Nilsson on 16 separate occasions over the following days in interviews, which totaled over 30 hours. Wow. He was adamant that he didn't know why he had killed all those men, simply saying, quote, I'm hoping you will tell me that when he was asked for the motive for the murders. Mm-hmm. He was adamant that the decision to kill was not made until moments before he did it. When questioned as to whether he had any remorse for the crimes, Nelson replied, quote, I wished I could stop, but I couldn't. I had no other thrill or happiness. Mm-hmm. He also emphasized that he took no pleasure in the act of killing, but, quote, worshipped the art and act of death. Right. A further search at Nelson's flat revealed the lower section of a torso and two legs stowed in a bag in the bathroom, a skull section of a torso, and various bones in the tea chest. Ugh. The same day, Nelson accompanied police to his previous residence, where he showed them the three spots in the rear garden where he had burned the remains of his victims. 
Investigators discovered over 1,000 fragments of bone from the garden, mostly blackened and charred by fire. Holy shit. Nelson was officially charged with six counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder and was brought to trial on October 24, 1983. After hearing all the evidence against him, Dennis Nelson was found guilty of all charges and sentenced to life in prison with a recommendation that he serve a minimum of 25 years. You think? <laughs> God. I know. I mean, uh, the United States justice system is really messed up. Yes. But we wouldn't sentence a serial no, killer. I'm always so shocked. 25 years to life. I, well, it's like yeah. Canada, too. They... Mm-hmm. Well, I think most countries that aren't barbaric like ours <laughs> yeah no I, I i agree with yes. you i am not a fan of our justice system but i am a fan of our sentencing for serial killers yes and me too and murderers in general yes yeah like yeah. 18 to 25 years for the death of 15 people just mm-hmm. doesn't sit right with me yeah i mean so well here we go i'll give him credit the minimum term of 25 years to life was replaced by a whole life tariff by home secretary michael howard in december of 1994 so luckily Mm -hmm. and it took a little while but somebody came in and was like all right you know what (laughs) (laughs) what are we going to do with him in 25 years yep you're ready to go it seems yeah we'll keep this one in prison forever jesus yeah Uh, so this ruling ensured that he would never be released from prison Nilsson remained in prison until his death on May 12th, 2018. Wow. He died of a pulmonary embolism. He was 72 years old. Wow. Yeah. So Nilsson is known to have killed 12 young men and boys between 1978 and 1983. Wow. It is suspected that the true number of his victims may be at least 15. Of Nilsson's eight identified victims, only three, Stephen Holmes, Kenneth Ockenden, and Graham Allen had a permanent address at the time of their murder, mm-hmm. with the remaining victims largely, though not exclusively, consisting of homeless, runaways, and sex workers. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder why Nelson was able to get away with his crimes for more than six years. Yep. I'm going to dedicate this episode to 14-year-old Stephen Dean Holmes, 23-year-old Kenneth Ockenden, 16-year-old Martin Duffy, 26-year-old William Sutherland, 23-year-old Malcolm Barlow, 23-year-old John Howlett, 27-year-old Graham Allen, 20-year-old Stephen Sinclair, and the seven remaining unidentified victims of these senseless murders. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Poor babies mm-hmm. and all youngsters, man. He really went for the young ones, huh? Yeah. Yep, he liked them young. Yeah, I'm sure it was a combination of preference and then also strength. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that that was with John Howlett, the one that fought back so hard. Um, he wasn't particularly old, but he was very strong. Mm-hmm. And I think that that definitely scared him. Yep. Yeah. Oh, those poor boys. God. I know. I know. Uh, and that story of fucking terrible, Fuck you. awful. Fuck town. St- idiot yeah oh my god Dennis Nelson I can totally see why you don't like him I get so frustrated I know again it's like a joke that's a lack of motivation but it is it's so sloppy it's so and it just feels so like entitled you know Mm -hmm. I mean serial murder is entitled period no matter Mm -hmm. what but he he especially feels I don't know it just feels especially gross just because he 
was so lazy about it and so careless mm-hmm. about it. And the fact that he got away with it, you know, that he picked vulnerable people who you know already had horrible lives. So to think that these poor people, these parts of these vulnerable populations get killed by this lazy shithead, it's just so mm-hmm. f- sad. Mm-hmm. So frustrating. Well, and it's also a lot of the stuff that I read almost, it was like a sympathetic tone to it mm. towards Nelson. Ugh. And I don't quite understand. They called him like the gentleman killer, meaning that he was a gentleman mm. to his victims. Uh, things like that, that, you know, I don't, it, it, I don't know if they were trying to portray the fact that he, in some ways he would bathe the victims right. and he, he worshiped them. It's right. like, it doesn't fucking matter, man. This guy no. was a monster. And yeah, well, yeah. it sounds like, like a I, deep, a deep, deep self-loathing that he Mm -hmm. puts them on a pedestal, but he also steals their life because he's lonely Mm -hmm. and wants to quote unquote, like keep them Mm -hmm. because he hates himself. And there's obviously some homophobia and Mm -hmm. shame. And I get Mm -hmm. it. You know, I understand where this is all coming from, but grow up. (laughs) I think it's a justification for some major psychopathy. And again, like if that's the worst thing that's happened to you is that your grandpa died when you're five. Exactly. You're just, it's a, yeah, he was born to be triggered into murdering multiple, multiple, multiple men and boys. Well, here's a question. So the guy who bonked him on the head in the taxi, what if a serial killer made another serial killer? (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like up to that point, he was just sort of self-loathing and depressed. And, you know, well, he, he was, had... yeah, he definitely had already started the fantasies of right like, being with dead bodies. But yeah, could but, be, you know, could be that... like the thing that threw him over the edge. Totally. And I can understand yeah. how, you know, you loved your grandpa the most. You didn't get a lot of attention from other people. So you have this sort of weird, uncomfortable, you know, maybe slightly inappropriate, but not totally immoral or illegal fascination with sex and death Mm -hmm. um, because you don't like yourself and your parents don't like you. And, you know, you're, you're a homosexual back then, which was very complicated and that makes sense. But, you know, he, let's just assume that was as far as it was going to go until another serial killer gets a hold of him, bonks him (laughs) on the head and just like sort of passes the baton. (laughs) What's that? I was going to say, that what's movie, that the... Denzel Washington movie? Uh-huh. Where they... <laughs> is that, what is that? Uh, Fallen. Fr- Fallen. Fallen. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I rewatched that like within the last, say recently, but it was like a year ago. That movie is garbage. That is, is garbage. <laughs> really good movie to watch with friends right now on yeah. Netflix party though. If you want something, I'm going to help me remember that for our next, next okay. Netflix party because man, that yeah. movie is so bad, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's on on my side. side. Yeah. Yes. I'm demon. I got demon. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like watching from above as he's passing uh-huh. it really fast. And he's like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. That demon is too fast. Yeah. I wonder if that must have been on like reruns a lot or something. Because I've seen that movie so many times. <laughs> it's pretty memorable too. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I remember thinking it was so good. So cool when I first yep. watched it. Yeah. We had limited options back then. (laughs) Anyway. So we can produce our own version with Dennis Nelson and his taxi cab killer. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Back to the original point. (laughs) I'm wondering if the head injury from the blow is what triggered. Yeah. Well, it certainly didn't help, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Jeez Louise, man. Well, good job. Yeah, I'm, that thanks. is a lot to slog yep. through. There's a lot of details out there. I, you know, I kind of had to truncate it and move mm-hmm. through. I just, I really didn't want it to be a two-parter. Like I said, I got into this and I was like, I just don't like this guy. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Yep. But if you, dear listeners, are interested, there is just like so much information to to read. So go get it. Yeah, and I think. <laughs> I didn't know that story. I the name is very familiar, and I feel like there's another case with the last name Nielsen, Nielsen or Nilsson that. Mm-hmm. And you kept starting to tell stories, and I was like, "Oh, I have heard it," and they're like, "Nope, not what mm-hmm. I was thinking." <laughs> um, like that weird couple. What were their names? That she was like a sex worker. This it's been covered a million times. Um, there was a movie made about it um, with the guy from The Affair. And anyway, <laughs> let's play a cool guessing game, guys. No, but uh, I've never heard that story. So good job. Yeah, and yo, yowza. I, I just, I also never get over the idea of just flushing body parts. That's yeah, a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yep. Yeah. And I, again, like there are lots of more details about like the disposal of bodies if you want, if you're into the gory stuff. <laughs> right. Have at it. No, I think you painted a very abundant picture of this guy and his day-to-day and what it must be like to live in that Mm -hmm. apartment and be him. Mm -hmm. It's so, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, It's lazy and slovenly and sad. Mm -hmm. It does does feel very much like a scene out of seven. Like his life must have been like a scene out of seven. Just him like crying and masturbating and flushing human bodies. You know what I mean? It's like really disgusting and awful going to his office job hating his life oh god oh god oh god oh god with his glasses just gray and rainy for like every day of his whole (laughs) life yeah no (laughs) tires burning like one hour photo but way worse oh god okay let's i'm done (laughs) i'm suddenly very sad i've had a good day i I felt good today and now i'm just like oh no it's i mean how we it's how we like our serial killers yep. really fucking awful yeah. so good job thanks and one hour photo is actually pretty it's good a, it's actually good it holds it holds up unlike fallen <laughs> uh, so good job man thanks that's that's enough of that guy yeah oh but you know what it made me think of what we were talking about one of our listeners actually posted on Facebook an article about how the sons and grandsons of World War II soldiers, specifically the sons, I think, um, that there was a huge spike in serial killers right. right around the time that our boy Dennis was flushing human hands down the toilet. They attribute a, a lot of the spike in serial killing in the 70s and 80s to World War II. Yeah, it makes so much sense. It really does yeah. because, and they specifically were like, you know, you mentioned in the Chichijima in- incident episode, just talking about the atrocities and how over the top fucking awful mm-hmm. World War II was. And it was such a horror show. And so it would make sense that these men would come back from that and just be horrifying parents. Mm-hmm. And then their kids would <laughs> kill people. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's really so sad and unfortunate to think about how that doesn't just, you can't, you know, it doesn't end with you, right. your kids inherit your trauma and then experience your trauma through your parenting. And yeah. so, whoo, that's heavy shit. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, we should link to that. Yeah, I'll add it super to interesting. The, uh, maybe to that episode. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. Um, Do we have businesses to tend to? Yeah, man. Got a cool business coming up. We are about to hit 10,000 fo- listeners, 10,000 downloads. Yes. Which is... Yeah. brain explosion emoji <laughs> that's right not what not ten thousand listeners yet but ten thousand no, downloads total ten thousand downloads yeah. which feels amazing because yes. it's all been just organic growth this is you guys sharing us because we don't have any advertising or anything <laughs> like that yet so this is just you guys telling other people so thank you yeah thank you uh, so much as always but we're also going to do a big giveaway um, when we hit ten thousand yeah we have our They Will Kill merchandise, like our swaggy stuff. And then my wife, Laura, is an artist. An incredible um, artist. Yeah, she's yeah. fancy. When we were we were set up, that's how we met. And my friend who set us up said she was an artist. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> like, I just pictured, mm-hmm. I don't know, just bad art. And um, I looked her up and I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. that is, she's legit. She makes an actual living as an artist. So she has very generously donated a couple of cool things for us to include in the giveaway so once we hit ten thousand, man we're gonna put that on social media and we'll do a drawing and also just hitting ten thousand is makes me so happy <laughs> i know i was thinking i think it's tomorrow for today for us is the seventh i think tomorrow is our like three month three month of, anniversary yeah which is that's nuts Courtney and I were talking about it the other day that it feels like it's been much less time and also like a year. It feels like forever. Forever. Yeah, that we've never not done this. So yeah, thank you so much for supporting us and enjoying it. Yes. Um, We'll give it back. Tell your friends. Yeah, please tell your friends. Tell your friends. Um, We'll have more Patreon bonus episodes coming up. So like we said, general bonuses are free for now. So if you're signing up for Patreon, you're kind of doing it out of the goodness of your heart. But we are adding at least like one more bonus episode this month. Um, The pins are almost here. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about these stinking enamel pins forever. But they're supposed to, fingers crossed, arrive tomorrow, which is Friday. And as soon as they do... We will we'll post about that too. But anybody who signs up through the month of May to Patreon, to, regardless of the tier, gets a free enamel pin. And then if you sign up for the five and ten dollar tiers, you get extra goodies. We're being extra spoily and generous right now <laughs> yep, for to our Patreon supporters. Yeah, for the month of May. And while we're in quarantine, and all of our episodes are free because eventually half of our episodes are going to go under that lock, and you have to pay for them. Yeah. But for now, they are yours to enjoy. And we got to shout out our new Patreon supporter, Angela S., who is also an old friend of ours and a, just a sweetie pie yeah. and a badass and a f- fan from day one. So That's right. I mean, she was our roommate for a while, but both Courtney and I, all of us live together. So she, yep. if she supports us, even though she lived with us for a while, <laughs> you know, we're pretty decent people. So <laughs> thank you so much, Angela. In, <laughs> yes, thank you so much. It's funny because as you're telling that story, part I was kind of picturing the house that we lived in. It was this massive farmhouse in Portland. It was basically a flop house. And <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. It's kind of interesting to remember mm-hmm. how we lived. And God, we were so happy. Yeah, it was really <laughs> it's a like, special time. One step away from being condemned, uh, but very beautiful. Yeah. I don't know. It was fun. It was really fun. So thank you, Angela. And thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and all of our listeners right. in general. We love you very much. It's a full moon tonight. It's a super moon. Shed all the things that 
don't no longer serve you. It's the death of things that don't no longer serve you. Mm-hmm. So do that. And, oh, you can find us on social media. Keep supporting us. That's where we are telling you all about these things, all these goodies and things coming up. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at They Will Kill. Uh, our website is theywillkill.com. You can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe, please. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, AJ Bergantz, for our music. You, yes, thank you. I'm, I think I'm going to drop the lawsuit. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you came uh, yeah. to your senses. All right. I think the, the full moon is, is uh, that's what I'm going to let go for this super moon. That's right. Unfounded lawsuits. <laughs> seems, like, <laughs> seems like a good thing to let go of. <laughs> and remember. Um, don't. I think I was I've got s- one. Yeah. I got it. Don't, Tell me. Don't flush your Kentucky fried chicken down the toilet, please. You know, that is that is some sage wisdom. Mm-hmm. That is an age old <laughs> adage. Just take it from me, guys. Take it from take me. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do they say? Uh, a 10 piece in your mouth is better than a bone down the john. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> You know what I would really love right now, though, is some of that mashed potatoes and gravy. I don't think it's vegetarian. I'm like a lifelong vegetarian, but I'm real loose about it, Mm -hmm. obviously, because I was putting bacon on celery a couple weeks ago. Um, Yep, mashed potatoes and gravy. Like, what are those mashed potatoes even made of? It's certainly not a potato or like an actual starch. Flour, no, I guess. Like some sort of whipped... like a rice i don't know i don't know yeah like a just like a just starch it's like the water from other potatoes that are actual (laughs) potatoes they just take that and they whip it a bunch and they put that delicious gravy on garbanzo water that people do oh god which i love garbanzo beads but the idea of that water just (laughs) people make cocktails and stuff out of it like what's it called what is that called Uh, it's got a funny name too like Aqua for what's it called? Gar Bonzo water. What's it called? Aquafaba. There you go. Aquafaba. I don't know why it's so gross. I don't like it. We love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. I love you, except for Aquafaba. You are not welcome here. Goodbye. I love you so much. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.